0: the podcast where we discuss two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings, but other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. This is going to be a very, very interesting episode for reasons that we will unfold for you. But my name is Joe Hilliard. I'm here every week alongside one of my favorite guys, Dave Gurney. And today, David... One of my favorite guests. <laughs> <laughs> he says a lot, doesn't he? It feels he he very does, decendent. but it, but it, he means it every it time. I mean, I, mean it, I really mean it tonight. We I'm have a lot of favorite why. people, I hope so. but you're definitely one of them. Local chef extraordinaire, Harold Ramos. Hello, hello. And Harold uh, always brings treats with him. He is a huge beer seller guy and has brought with us something that I just can't wait to open. But he's also wearing his David Lynch T-shirt, David. So I Ain't think ready. we've invited the correct person. I knew we had. Uh, I mean, even before I saw the T-shirt, I knew
1: that Harold was the right call. So I'm I'm excited that he's with us on this journey to get through that sight and sound top ten. Uh, we've already spilled the beans here obviously we're going to be covering Mulholland Drive mm-hmm. but we have another one of his films that we're going to cover what, a yeah. what a double feature what right. a double feature but we're going to need some real fuel to get us through this
2: conversation Harold okay. you brought it you talk about it yeah so I was recently in Miami for a conference and uh, on my list was to go to find a good brewery and uh, there's a brewery that opened up about seven years ago in the Wynwood neighborhood of Miami called Jay Wakefield mm-hmm. he used to be a home brewer and uh Got attraction and opened a brewery seven years ago. This is the Wakefest 7. So it's the seventh anniversary beer he makes. Uh, 2022, 12% maple bourbon barrel aged stout with bananas, pistachio, and vanilla. Whoa. That's a lot of words. It's so, yeah. a lot of ingredients.
0: Yeah, it's kind of the pastry stout king. So, yeah. Oh, let's, let's open that thing up. And uh, I can't yeah. wait to get my nose in the glass. Moisten your glass.
1: I know. These are, uh, you know, Special times when we have these kind of special beers, and, and with uh, Harold bringing this all the way from Miami with him, um, this is a very special one. I'm excited, I've never had an E.J. Wakefield. No. This is our first time on the podcast having it. Um, so so this'll be fun, and it's, what, what was the ABV on this one, uh, this, this was, was 12%. 12%. So we're starting out light here, because it goes up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and it pours thick as, thick as night. Right, well, and thick as night is totally appropriate when we are talking about David Lynch because he tends to deliver films with some extreme density to them, right? I mean, there's just a lot packed into them and they can seem one way on their surface, but then as you start digging and you start looking at, at the little uh, you know, nooks and crannies of it, there, there's more and more that can be found. Th- these are films that kind of tend to in- inspire that kind of uh, devotional Fandom, where where people will kind of dig into them, and actually the first film we're going to do Ooh. this week, you guys getting the nose on <laughs> oh, that? Oh, yeah. I took a sip. Boozy, yeah, the, the boozy, the is, boozy. Ooh, oh yeah, I'm the getting a ton is, of. And I'm even bananas. I was going to say it's amazing man. that I'm getting both the bourbon and the bananas. Yeah. Wow, that yeah, that is exciting. Um, but you know that that's the, the confounding aroma that I just uh, experienced is not unlike the
0: experience of a david lynch film right this is our fourth david lynch film yeah and uh we, uh we did a Racerhead. we did uh uh nicholas cage blue,
1: well we did blue velvet
0: and wild at heart wild right yes yeah and then we also did his short film which uh, uh about the monkey oh oh, the, oh yeah jack. what did jack do that's, that's right so, yeah
1: yeah um. Well, here we're going to go back um, to the film that actually just came a little bit after Wild at Heart. Mm-hmm. But it was, you know, coming out of a television series that he did right around that time that I'm sure many of our listeners are going to be familiar with, at least by name. Uh, and that's the series Twin Peaks, right? So Twin Peaks uh, had premiered.
0: Uh, it was an ABC series, yeah, right? Back in nineteen ninety. Nineteen ninety. I was a high school senior. Yeah, and this series—I mean, I lived through the hype okay. of this series. People, it was huge. It was it huge. It was a big deal. The first
1: season, it it came on yeah. as kind of a mid-season yeah. thing, where you know it it hadn't started in the fall. I think it was like a maybe April was when it started, mm-hmm. and I remember the. Um, the, the buzz, right? I mean, I can remember TV Guide at, at the checkout uh, stand when people used to buy TV Guide. you remember yeah. that? Um, with Laura Palmer's face on mm-hmm. there, like the home qu- homecoming queen photo or whatever right. where, you know, like who killed Laura Palmer? And that it was, was this big question. question that everybody was asking, this sort of mystery series unfolding with all these quirky characters um, in this strange, yeah, only, sort of isolated only, pocket of the country. Only eight
0: episodes in that first season. And mm-hmm. I mean, all of me and all of my friends watched it. And we discussed it. Yeah, you know, that was the same. The next day no, at school.
2: I, I was a little bit younger. So it was like, I guess I was a probably a freshman, a sophomore mm-hmm. in high school. Same thing. It went through wildfire through my school. And I guess it was the soundtrack that kind of got me first. Oh. Like, I heard like the soundtrack. I'm like, what is this music? And uh, I guess my friend gave me a tape or something. And that's when I found the show from that. Yeah. yeah. you know, And Lynch had been someone I'd heard about. Like a was kind of this cult movie yeah. you, you can never find it like you can never go and buy it from the store that you photo was it. on t-shirts by then, yeah, most likely so, yeah so yeah. I kind of knew who it was but I didn't know what was going on yeah and uh, I go to Vulcan Video in Austin trying to buy, <laughs> cause buy never, never, it was never you can never rent it was never available yeah and then the show comes on t- the guy has a TV show now it was so like bizarre and then just the like I said the cult following g- garnered right away yeah from this strange show that just kind of Right. Kind of blew up fast. Yeah. Well, the show had a second season, which was yeah. more
1: a fuller season. I think you know, closer to twenty something episodes. I think. Yeah, and as many people will say, it it may have lost its plot in in a certain sense. It it, it you know brought other characters in. and kind of and, and a lot of people kind of complained, even people who had been fans of that first season.
0: Yeah, that, me included. I yeah. I started that second season, and. I was there to watch what I felt at the time. It kind of fall apart a little yeah. bit, especially when you learn who killed Laura Palmer, which yeah. is done mid-season, uh-huh. and then they had you know six, seven, eight, nine shows left to do. Yeah. So that when Twin Peaks: Fire Walk with Me came out, I did not see it. I watched this film for the first time for the show today. Right? right? You've never seen it? Had wow. never really never wow. seen it. I'd kind wow. of lost interest. Wow. I guess. I also haven't seen that. Um, third season that Showtime did a few years ago. I haven't seen either. Well, that is definitely worth checking
1: hey, take out. Take off your t-shirt. How, yeah. how is this the truth? <laughs> <laughs> um I and, and maybe we can talk about that after hours cuz that's kind of post log here. Yeah. But interestingly, right? Twin Peaks Fire Walk with Me rather than being a sequel in a sense, it was a prequel movie, yeah. basically where um, Lynch decided Let's he, he wasn't ready to leave the Laura Palmer character, he liked that character. He had actually kind of only had partial involvement with the second season. It seems yeah. like he and Frost, Mark Frost, the guy who co created with, did he, do,
0: did he do uh, Desperate Housewives? Mark Frost, Storyville.
1: Like, Storyville. he did Storyville. that was I the next the series. For him. Storyville okay. was that was that was um, that that. and and you know, the, the Mark, sharing. so he, he it was it, it was a little um. I think tainted, but I think he still loved the character and seemed to want to do something with yeah. that, wanted to work with Cheryl Lee, who, who had played uh, Laura Palmer, but in these kind of refracted ways because the series all took place after her yeah. death. And so like, let's create a film narrative that's going to give us a more in-depth experience of who La- Laura Palmer as a character was. And so that's what we have with Twin Peaks Firewalk With Me, though, it even starts well before the Laura Palmer incident, with this sort of prologue of its own um, that you know has um, this whole other you know missing or dead body story, the the Dead Teresa. Meadow prologue, right? This Teresa Banks character, her body floating, um, who's referenced in the series, right? Um, but but here we see it, and we and we see an earlier investigator not. The uh, Kyle McLaughlin's Dale, um, Cooper. Dale Cooper, yeah. but instead we have Chet uh, Desmond, who is played by Chris Isaac. Chris Isaac yeah. 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 His partner with Kiefer Keith, Keith Sullivan. Right, Keith O'Sullivan, which O'Sullivan, Which, which is apparently great. I hadn't found this out until I was just reading, getting ready for this, that th- that wasn't necessarily Lynch's original intent. No. He wanted Dale Cooper to be more yes. of a yeah. piece, but McLaughlin was
2: feeling Mc- it. McLaughlin was worried to be in typecast, so he kind of stepped away from the production, said, I'm done with it, so he kind of put the movie on hiatus. Then he came back so i'll take a smaller role right and then that's why it's supposed to be the cooper the whole time he created this other character with a uh, chris isaacs character right who's
1: very similar and yeah. so
2: yeah anyway so you know the, the
1: interesting kind of lore there at least in terms of what did it but you have that little sort of prologue where you have this other young woman die this mystery around it an fbi agent investigating some strange stuff goes on and then quickly we kind of go into the last seven days of yeah. Laura Palmer's life.
2: Well, that, that prologue, if you look at interesting because that's takes place a year before um, Laura Palmer's last week of existence, right? right? And when you watch Twin Peaks, the, the TV show, and you watch the movie, this, this uh, was it Deer Meadow it's called? Yeah. This whole prologue is like the inverse of Twin Peaks. When you're watching it, it's Twin Peaks, but like in reverse. It's like a mirror image of it. Yeah. Twin Peaks is like this idyllic, beautiful, you With, yeah, know, white right. picket fence. Right. And then With Deer, all of the Deer underbelly. Now is like yeah. poor. The the police are corrupt. The chief is. It's er- a trailer park. They're yeah. going to investigate. So yeah. So it's almost like the opposite of Twin Peaks. And yeah. even, even the details, you look at like a Sheriff Cable when yeah. you're in his office. You look at his wall, he has like a. A saw, yeah, to chop down wood. Whereas Twin Peaks, you know, it's all about the fancy saw saw blades, right? So it's like this totally. He's kind of giving you hints of like there's another world in a way. You know, Mm -hmm. it's it's so interesting. Well, in this,
1: and I think you're right. Like there is definitely a theme of kind of doubles, right? Like the the idea of like the you know whether it be that this town sort of doubles for this other town, this character sort of has this double life and, and is known by one set of people this way, known by this other set of people this other way. Mm-hmm. Um, this character that we talk about may or may not have a standalone existence, or it may just be something that's like a spirit that inhabits people. You know, I'm talking about the Bob character yeah. here. You know? mm-hmm. um, it, so, you know, fascinating stuff. It's it's hard to really get into it. But, it, but again, just to go back very, very briefly, I, I don't want to belabor the synopsis, but you know, Twin Peaks, a series, as you said, Harold, had set up the idea of this sort of mystery around the death of this high school student, Laura Palmer, who to most of the community, seem to be the perfect right. sort of homecoming queen.
2: 30-year-old right. uh, freshman or senior in <laughs> high school. Well, that's, but
1: that's now that old. is, that's yeah. totally consistent yeah. with yeah. the casting of yeah. most uh, high for school sure. drama. Because, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. right, this is right yeah. around the same time yeah. as Beverly Hills' no, 90210, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Another but show I watched religiously. Gabriella Carteris. kind of a play on that. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think,
0: sure. right. okay. yeah, I think uh, Ian Ziering was 49 or something like that during uh, 90210. I don't
1: know if he was that old, but yeah. No, there, there was it was some extreme age uh, mm-hmm. differentials, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, you you have her, you know, being found dead, and then like uncovering as the series went on, all these strange aspects of her life that were sort of hidden from a lot of the community wow. but known by others. Well,
0: as we talked about in our review of Blue Velvet, he puts together puzzles and leaves yeah. out several of the pieces or, or relies on the film, the film goer to put the puzzle together if he gives you all the pieces to yeah. do so. And then what the fan base of Twin Peaks did was fill in all the blanks with all kinds of different theories sure. and alternative rival theories. Um, the movie... The the movie is a lot more, in my opinion, straightforward than the TV show. Although it does have a bunch of signature David Lynch pieces, the the little person who you know speaks in reverse, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the uh, Bob is back, uh, Bob, and then of course the father uh, Leland who who. Bob, I guess, as many people, possesses, but yeah. possessed Leland to kill Laura Palmer, which of course right, we like, learn the, back perhaps the there was a one. real Bob at some point who actually did molest
1: Leland yeah. and/or have some sort of inter- as a boy, right? But now is more a spirit that
2: possesses him. Well, right. This and is we, where we, it gets hard to talk about this movie because <laughs> because there's so much lore yes. involved with Twin Peaks. Yeah, and like you don't if you don't understand what the Lodge is, the Black Lodge, the Red Room. You know this this whole like other plane these guys live on these demons whatever yeah it's it's hard to kind of grasp what's happening yeah you, know, you can watch it on a level to where who's Bob is this, this weird character is it a neighbor is right it the father but when you kind of go in the deep of the lore of the show you realize like there's this other things happening underneath the surface mm-hmm. you know and like I think a lot of I was reading about Lynch and uh, you know he's he was born in the late early fifties, late forties. Yeah. So this is that time when um, America was just coming from the war. A lot of veterans came back from the war, and America had this kind of secret underbelly that was happening. He had his idyllic life, but yeah, these guys come back from war who were traumatized by war, yeah. who had seen some crazy stuff, PTSD, possibly you know drugs had introduced never seen before. So there's like this white picket fence ideal. Then there's this like this underbelly that's happening, and like I kind of informs like, a lot of what he does. Yeah, like, yeah, you're kind of seeing him kind of playing on those kind of ideas. Like there's like there's like, there's, like the secret world happening underneath this idyllic. Well, we certainly there. saw that in Blue Velvet,
1: yeah. right? Yeah, that that was exactly the, same, that was same same a concept. theme that was
2: very present
1: there.
0: Fair, I and, very very much. kind so. of you know the the opening shot. Of, all his movies have the same kind of. Yeah, and not to mention the immersive surrealism that he yeah. he's loves very interested to play with. in the dream space. Yes, he's interested
1: absolutely. in sort of uh, the ways to tap into almost like a collective consciousness uh, as well, like where people share, like again, Cooper shares this kind of dream space with potentially Laura Palmer with potentially these other figures and, you know how that he doesn't explain how that happens. He doesn't go into the like d- details of how it this. Works. Isn't it doesn't turn into a science fiction film no. or or a supernatural horror film in the sense that it's going to describe all of the rules of this sort of new situation that evolves. He leaves it all hanging there, kind of for yeah. you, and, and he gives you this imagery and these moments that you're left to try to connect. Which is why I think you know those who are inclined really end up loving his work because yeah. they can spend hours upon hours thinking about, okay, well, this is you know how this can er- character connects to this. This is why they share yeah. this kind of same experience. And yeah, but then on the other hand, you can kind of take it as it is if you want and enjoy it that way, or you can get really frustrated with it, <laughs> which, which a lot of viewers do. I mean, a sure. lot of people, this is not because, their cup of tea. Well, it's
0: not laying out the ending with a bow on it. I mean right. none of Lynch's films really never, do. Never do. Yeah. Uh, he he has done a couple of straightforward films, but you can tell One, where he straight, likes to, yeah, story. where yeah. he likes to dabble is in this surrealism, you know, yeah. surrealism dreamscape space. What we enjoyed about the series so much in high school was just how far we learned that the homecoming queen's crown is tarnished. Mm-hmm. It's not just that she's dating a guy that she, you know. From the wrong side of the tracks. Exactly. Yeah, no, yeah. she's a prostitute with a drug yeah. problem, you know, right. in high school. Right. And what the film does is, with its R rating, with, with its ability to break through the boundaries of television, yeah. of what tele- the boundaries of television puts upon you, is show just how depraved that life yeah, was. Right. And there are a couple of scenes here they get really almost difficult to watch. I'm I'm speaking about when her uh, girlfriend, her high school girlfriend, Donna, uh, Donna, Donna. Uh, trails her to the the bar, yeah. the brothel bar. Oh, well, can right. we talk about and that scene? I, that's exactly where I'm headed. Yeah. Maura, Kelly, Maura Kelly, who's just you know, yeah.
1: who who replaces Laura um, Flynn Laura, Boyle.
0: No. That that was one of yeah. the
1: sort of things that went on with this. There were a few, like McLaughlin was was kind of, he he was involved, Dale Cooper is in the film, but he didn't want to be as big a part as Lynch wanted. There were some people like Boyle. Sherilyn Finn. Yeah, who said no, and and again, it might have been a scheduling thing, they might have had other projects, but for whatever reason, they didn't come back to play the sure. character, and that was one of the few that was actually recast here, where we have yeah. Moira Kelly playing. So you see... I thought was
0: great, though. I thought she was. No, she does, perfect. and
1: and she, perfect. you know, resembles the the character enough yeah. that it's not too.
0: But you see scenes that you might see in a R-rated high school drama mm-hmm. of of Laura Palmer going to Donna and saying, "Are you my best friend? Because I've got some serious yeah. shit that I need to talk to you about." Then. How does she? How does she repay Donna for that ability to talk to her? Donna follows her mm-hmm. to this brothel bar, and Laura Palmer, under the influence of of the least cocaine, coke, but and who knows yeah. alcohol certainly, um, allow not allows because Donna's responsible for herself, but encourages Donna with sideways stares to. Hey, if you want to play the game that I'm playing, let's play it. And yeah. uh, they slip something into. I think, it. they don't so, slip it. It's very so overtly. So, I mean that
2: that whole scene to me, I call it the Pink Room, uh-huh. which is a song that's playing during that scene. So it's, yeah. it's a very, like that song is just, I love it so much. It is great. I, I, I can't even great. describe.
1: it, like I was, it's th- got it's got this like weird. Kind so of... so there's
2: like this dubby percussive yeah. drum. There's a, a, a bowed bass. Yes. Uh, there's like a steel guitar, just like ripping guitar leads the whole time. And it's just like trance of... Uh,
1: Very repetitive. repetitive. It's just like this kind a, of, yeah. And,
2: and I was going to say to you, when you watch these movies, you know, I hope you're watching it on a good system. Because if you watch a David Lynch movie, you don't have surround sound, you don't have a subwoofer, you're missing half the movie. Agreed. I, absolutely. You're missing so much of what's happening in yeah. these films. Especially like our second movie we're gonna talk about, yeah. That one especially, Behole and Drive. If you don't have that kind of immersive sound, yeah, you're missing half the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree. much is happening with like the well the and it's there right from the beginning. So like his... that, that scene to me is, you know, it's ecstasy. Yeah. Like he he found a way to capture ecstasy on film. Yeah. The drug itself. Right? Yeah, so yeah. Yeah. I think that's what she gives him in, in the drink when they're passing the drinks around playing chuggle lug. Right. It's ecstasy. You yeah. know, it's that feeling of that makes sense. euphoria, yeah. that feeling of like letting go. Because well, she certainly yeah. goes with it. Yeah. And then this is kind of hyper sexualized um, part of her body just kind of letting loose. Yep. Laura is also with um, what's her name? Her uh, friend, Renette-, Renette Pulaski. And they're just kind of going on this rabbit hole of like debauchery. And the conversation they're having, they're talking like nonsense. Like I am uh, I am the muffin. And yeah, went, I'm the great went and they're talking over which, the scene. which is funny because I yeah. d- d- just sighed. like that. That was Fish did like a
1: big music festival for, for themselves called the Great Went, which <laughs> I, at the time yeah. I thought what a silly title yeah. for for this festival, and I hadn't made that connection that yeah, that was a Twin sense. Peaks reference, and I'm like, Absolutely. okay, those guys are cooler than I give them credit for. I, d- I still don't love Fish, but <laughs> <I> th-
2: <do. laughs> at least they like good movies. But like for me, this this scene is like the centerpiece of the movie. Yeah, it's such, and it's kind of like this middle point to where yeah. you. You kind of finally see the darker side of well, and you lore. see her struggling with yeah. those well, different parts especially of herself. When, when she sees Donna, yeah, kind of start to wear, she's wearing like her, her dress, she's, don't wear my dress. Like yeah, she's saying, like, don't taint yourself with what I right, have, right? Right, yeah. trying to pull it off of her, like, and then she kind of loses it. But yeah, that whole scene is like 15 minutes of like muffled dialogue, right? Strobe lights, subtitles, pink lights. So yeah. uh, it's such a beautiful. Uh, overwhelming for the senses yeah. kind of scene. And there, there's a scene in the next, in and Drive that to me is like the part two of that Right. We'll talk about later Well, on.
1: I think, you know, this, going back to something that Joe was, was talking about a moment ago and that, you know, kind of ties into what you're talking about with this like kind of, you know, seeing these different parts of oneself and, and kind of reacting to them. You know, the Laura Palmer character, I think part of, I have to imagine what drew Lynch to it is th- those like sort of th- that deep layering that goes on mm-hmm. where, you have that surface of like perfection, beauty, you know, um, you know, just just the perfect high school student. And then you have, well, but she has this boyfriend who's actually kind of, you know, he's a jock, but he's also got drugs and he's kind of supplying her with cocaine. And wait, but she has this other boyfriend who's kind of a, he's a, he's a biker and that's even more dangerous. And what's he into? And then you have, wait, no, she goes out on her own and she does these things and she's da-da-da-da-da. And then I think you get to the point where you realize, but wait, that's not even really the worst part. The worst part is this relationship she has with her father. Sure. And what's been going on probably her entire life. Since she was 12. Right. Where Leland has you know, perhaps been possessed, right? And I guess that's in that, again, the layering that's, goes even into that. That's hard where to it's,
2: get into because is, is he possessed or is it, is, it's like he's wearing a mask. Well, like is it, yeah. Is it? Is mask. Bob
1: a name for Leland's yeah. own sort of debauchery? Trauma, yeah. his, his own, right? Was he traumatized yeah, and that's exactly. what we're seeing manifest? Do, is that an excuse for that kind of behavior? And I'm not saying that Lynch necessarily um, is forcing you to contend with that, but it's all there. And it's all, I think, laid out in a way that, like, you know, I've seen, I mean, I've seen films about trauma. I've seen films about incest. I've seen films about dysfunctional families, but I've rarely, I mean, this is the only film I can think of Mm -hmm. that I've seen that shows me, it's almost like a cubist painting of this kind of trauma, where I'm seeing all these different dimensions of what that sort of, configuration of people can be all kind of simultaneously refracting off one another. And it makes it a very complicated kind of picture. It's not easy to consume. It's not easy to understand because it's a very complicated situation to experience. But one thing I think
0: we can understand is that Laura's behavior is explained because if someone who she thinks is Bob, right has been taking her her words since she was 12, yeah. coming in through the window, mm-hmm. etc, which could be, could be that the father was possessed by this thing and that, but she would have seen her father's face. Unless you're in Lynch's universe where well, she always sees Bob's face. Or is it one of those things where she dissociates? She did, I, she, think I think but she's, she's disassociating. dissociating to the yeah. same place that everybody else. That everyone's just dis- right. dissociating well, to the same character. Yeah. Which is fascinating. Yeah. But if you're sexually assaulted by someone consistently since yeah. you're 12 years old, then we can believe that. This is a character who said on the external, I will, you know, become the homecoming queen. I'll keep my hair and my wardrobe and my grades and all that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I've got a drug problem. I slip off into the night to do all kinds of crazy things. My friends don't know about it. When my friend does find out about it. And I say, come on with me. I have a sense of, no, 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 Whoa, whoa. we're taking this all too far. Let me get you out of here back into safety. This to me is a very good standalone project. Absolutely, you do not need to have known anything about the series to understand this. Yep. As long as you realize that you're watching a David Lynch film, yeah. because going into a David Lynch film like Wild at Heart yeah. or um, the film we're about to discuss, you've you've got to up your intellect yeah. to be able mm-hmm. to try to figure it out the first time you see it. Yeah, yeah. and and that reputation allows this to be an enjoyable experience if you've never seen one Twin Peaks episode. Yeah,
2: and I'll tell you, I watched this movie probably like 20 times in my life, honestly. Yes. I saw it when it came out in 92 in the theaters and I had it on DVD and I watched it religiously a period of my life when I was a younger man and I used to, you know, do certain things, maybe not be <laughs> any good. You, you mean maybe imbibe more possibly. than just the Jay Wakefield stout? Was, it, yeah. it was a movie that was
0: really well, good he, for he, those kind yeah. of settings. routinely you know. put ecstasy inside of it before. <laughs> yeah, you know, but, but it was
2: a movie that was kind of used for that kind of idea you know you kind of sit and you have this well the imagery the, the sound all the, of it. it yeah and yeah. um but i think a lot of laura's issue you look at her is like the trauma yeah and the guilt she has yeah and that's why she's so self-destructive right you know and and i think a lot of laura's issue is that in the end she wants to just be seen like no one knows laura yeah. she's a hidden figure yeah like, no one knows her. Even her best friend doesn't well, know she's And she in is. some ways, she doesn't even know she who she know is She doesn't know because she but, but I think she's capable
1: of being yeah. all those Lauras that we see. Exactly. Yeah. But I think
2: ultimately, in the end, we'll talk about later on, I think she wants to be seen. She wants to be known.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and in her death, I think that's what kind of ultimately what happens. She does. But, you know, I think yeah, you're
1: right. And, and I think a lot of it is, like, when you have that fractured an identity, yeah. then... How can anybody know the whole you? You don't know the whole you, like you know, like yeah. all of these people. Like James knows a little bit yeah. bit of her they that get, I think they get she little did.
2: bits and pieces.
1: And yeah. th- that whole sequence, I, I I hadn't been as moved by it I think as this time watching it. And maybe it's my age, I don't know. But like her you know like that last uh, evening she spends oh, with James, with James she where like she's motorcycle. like constantly like it's like she's shifting gears yeah. every 5 seconds she's like i hate you go away yeah. i love you i can't stand not being with you we need to and and in the past i think i had thought of that as like this i don't know just this like manic kind of scene mm-hmm. but it resonated so
2: deeply with in like,
1: like i think her performance here that's uh, what i was, was going to tell you like is, Astoundingly Unbelievable. good.
2: believable Cheryl Lee um, just kills it. I mean, know? I think... Kills it. It's an you know, incredible Lynch, performance.
1: Lynch has worked with, you know, I think Laura Dern, Cheryl mm-hmm. Lee. I, we're going to be talking in, in the next part about, you know, uh, Naomi Watts. Like, I think he's worked really well with some of these actors. Actresses, these performers that he's had these experiences with over his career, where he's really been able to
2: pull some amazing things out of them. But they're
0: all actresses and actors that have to give themselves over to David Lynch's. Sure. But to me, that's that's
2: part of his genius. Not just what you see on the film, it's the performances he can get out of his actors. Like these performances are so, like, I mean, so heavy and like charged with like emotion. And like, I watched, I cried. Yeah, I'm like in tears watching. I've watched it 20 times, and I still cry certain parts because like the performances are so raw.
0: I, yeah, I do you know? want to talk about. Okay, so then it leads up to uh, the murder of Laura Palmer, and almost setting up the the pilot episode. Yeah, of the basically, show. yeah. Um, the motivation of the father to do so, which totally makes sense to me in yeah. in the context of of what we're sure. watching here. But I do want to talk. Uh, what get y'all's take on the uh, bifurcation of the two, the the second, the two, the second and third act? Okay, which is the Laurel Palma story, and then that first act, which is a year the prior, act, yeah. where they're where uh, Chris Isaac and and Kiefer Sutherland are <laughs> investigating the the death of. Help me with the character's name, uh, Teresa Banks. Teresa and, Banks. Um, when David Bowie shows up, and, uh, and that's still part of like in the middle part. You know. Agent
1: Philip Jeffrey.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, but I'm tying it to that first act because it's it it's, is a, it's yeah. away from still. the main you know uh, Twin Peaks part. Um, to to me, this is Lynch throwing in Lynch for Lynch's purpose, and it doesn't bother me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but but Agent Cooper. A, and then the, the the coda to the film, where Agent Cooper and then the other female character are in the red room, mm-hmm. and with the long pan out, you know, uh, or the dolly out, um, that's like. Oh, by the way, this is a Twin Peaks friend. Yeah. This is a Twin Peaks uh, property, so we have to include these things. Hmm. It's not distracting, yeah. but it is different yeah. than I think the. the well, I main think I think a lot of, of what he does is he. He kind of builds
2: like a puzzle piece, right? And there's like his little vignettes that happen in his movies, that are Lynchian, right? So yeah, that scene in the bureau office with David Bowie showing up,
0: which I was so happy to see David it's Bowie awesome. film. And, and I read yeah. about it. He, was, yeah, he did a he great
2: job. He was kind of It was kind of rushed. I had like four days to film. Wish I could have done more. But and if you look what he's wearing, like he's like he came from some tropical place. Yeah. You know, linen. He's, yeah. Hawaiian yeah. shirt. Yeah. He's got this weird like a uh, southern accent. Yeah. We're not going to talk about Judy. You know? <laughs> and Those are like also parts from the TV show, right? And but I think a lot of that is is also there's like the there's like the static in the movie. When you watch the opening credits, right? Mm-hmm. You know, nowadays we don't have it. Back when we were younger, we had television was static, right? Right. So the opening credits like the static. It's happening. You're kind of seeing like this like a feedback. Yeah. And if you watch that scene, you start seeing the feedback go through right. the panel of the screen again. And then he starts seeing images of of the room above the convenience store which is part of the the lore of the show with those characters with, yeah. with the the one-armed man yeah and uh, the the log man uh, the, and the, yeah uh, the, the guy with with the the jumping man yeah that, that's all tied into the show and, and that you know if you're gonna get in the lore of the show that's considered like maybe the black lodge they're kind of saying mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. like this place where the demons kind of hang out yeah um how that ties into that scene. I really don't yeah. know, but you know, Lynch is kind of leaving you like clues of like, right. you know, what's happening, which
1: is where, you know, like when Joe said that, like, this is a more straightforward kind of yeah, telling it is, but that prologue is so strange yeah. that it, it sort of sets it all off. Now, once you get past that and you're into the story of Laura Palmer, yeah. I think it is a much more straightforward thing right up until you get towards the end of it where it, it does get, I think a little more convoluted. Um, but but it's really fascinating. I mean, I think what you were saying about the static like clearly with Twin Peaks the series with this film extension of it, you know, one of the things that I think Lynch is fascinated with is our sort of, you know, the the conventions of our storytelling, yeah. right? The the conventions of the the primetime soap opera, the conventions of the procedural detective drama. The and I think it, that's still here on display, and I think that's part of why we set it up this way, right? And and I'm not, I don't necessarily know that he's using it as like a bait and switch, where he's like, I'm going to make you think this is something you recognize and yeah. you understand, and then I'm going to throw these things at you that are very hard to process within that. Um, but I think it's more him almost commenting on, look, these are the kind of stories we tend to tell, but look, here are the like more complicated, things that are at work that would actually generate these kind of, you know, cr- crimes, these kind of acts that sure. we would be investigating in these kind of shows. Um, th- but it, it was, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you guys, actually, as I was watching it is, you know, as, as much as, because I know you're, I know you're uh, maybe, well, I, I think Harold and I see see similarly, feel similar, similarly about law enforcement in the establishment. Like, <laughs> d- don't you feel like lynch of all people isn't it strange how kind he is to the the law enforcement the criminal justice system i mean these they're never the root of any of the uh rarely are they the root of any of the evil right dale cooper is is really the The most pure version of a hero that you can i mean both in this world and the next now that gets complicated in the return series See, yeah, that, that happens possession. Yeah. There's yeah. like a split between, and there's a little line in twin peaks, fire walk with me that kind of sets that up with like, you know, whatever the Dale that's in the lodge is blah, 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 mm-hmm. but
2: Oh, the good Dale. Yeah. But that's a Heather Graham. Yeah. But, but yeah.
1: interestingly, you know i i i really feel like you know the fbi i mean he's an fbi agent in this film right that that's that's his character and if anything they're like super tapped into this kind of energy that's out there that allows them to maybe investigate these you know what i
2: think it is for lynch too though growing up when he did 50s and 60s Mm -hmm. as a young man what was on television Dragnet. Yeah. All these guys. Oh, That's sure. exactly what I think the, he's these emulating. Noir, these yeah. noir films with right. detectives and they're like badass and yeah. they solve they can get the girl. Right. They can solve the crime. They drink, they smoke, but they're still getting yeah. that I think he's kind of feeding off of that vibe. Right, right. You know, and speaking of smoking, the guy's got a huge smoking fetish. Yeah. <laughs> I oh, mean, yeah. there yeah. is cigarette smoke all over this oh, movie. Sure. All his yeah. movies. Cigarette butts. Oh, like the scene when he's when the, the pink room is ending and that pan on the floor and it's just like a thousand cigarette butts, like smoldering, and yeah. like empty beer
0: bottles. Did, yeah. did we know that Leland was drugging his wife? Oh, that's what I was gonna say. So with I, the milk in the series, I watched it like a, twenty times, right? And watching
2: it again on Saturday, I never realized that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why is she? Why is that a horse in the room? And then I'm realizing he's giving her the milk. He's drugging her. Yeah. So that but, he can go do his. But thing I think with his also, daughter. but I think also, she's complicit. She knows what he's doing. I don't think she's innocent. I think she's right. very well aware of what Leland's been doing, and is kind of letting him get away with it. And Leland, which, thought, which I think is the reality
1: of a lot of situations, like absolutely, this. yeah, that's, that's how it happens.
0: And I think Leland says, "I always assumed you you knew it was me." Yeah, yeah. When we see L- Laura finally piece together that yeah, the he man turns on the top, fan on and yeah.
2: like, and when you watch it with a good system. That fan is like this whoa 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 woah woo, woo, woo. It's like this the fan is like this droning sound to kind yeah. of that's his MO to like hide the noise when it's gonna happen with Laura. Okay. Like, but another question.
0: What's crazy. up with the letters on the piece of paper under the fingernails? So that's Does that also, amount to anything? No, but
2: that also goes to when Laura was found, there was also a letter in her hand. Yeah. Right, too. right, yeah. right, right. But the, so then again, if you remember this T V show, when Laura's found, it's very procedural, it's very clean. Yeah. yeah. And the dear metal part with with Teresa Banks, it's like this gruesome, yeah. Yes. Like with that they weird just pull it right that weird up. camera Machine thing he's the, got, it's yeah. kind of awkward, and they yeah. rip he it apart. A... You can hear the sound effects of like yeah. I away,
0: skin yeah.
2: pulling, and it's like grotesque. And, and even like again, like that with the mirror image. When you look at Laura's body, she's like this kind of like saintly, kind of purple, pristine. Looks pretty. Teresa Banks' body's like this, like. Caught like in terror,
0: her mouth yeah. is open, uh-huh. yeah. her eyes are open. You know, it's just like this. Uh... Is that David Lynch taking advantage of the R rating, or
2: is no? I, I think he's, he's trying to show you the the inverse of the two worlds okay. so of Deer Meadow versus that? Twin Peaks. You know, yeah, and like and everything's like a doubleganger. Teresa Banks doubleganger for 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 Laura. You yeah, know? it's kind of the same, but it's kind of different in a way. It's, yeah, it's such a. Well, really, I think really, I think really. it's a nice reminder. Like, yeah, you, like maybe the main story
1: I'm telling you is that beneath the placid surface of, you know, American perfection, there's this evil. But also in the, you know, meth-ridden uh, trailer parks, yeah. we still have the evil. It's not like you know, it's it's not that yeah. one negates the other. It's that they're both. There. Like the the evil is there. Sometimes yeah. it's on the surface. Sometimes it's buried beneath. Yeah. But either way, it's you know it, it's it's an and undercurrent. There's
2: just so many things to like tackle. Like like yeah. you talk about Deer Meadow again, and like when when the, the agent goes to the meets Harry Dean Stanton at the yeah. park, <laughs> you know he goes and he meets. Uh, they go and they get investigate, and then you hear this little electric sounds and the cables. Yeah, and when you know the lore of the movie again, that's all tied into the Black Lodge, right? That's yeah. All, but you have to kind of know what's happening well, to kind and, of understand. I, I, mean, I think so.
1: that's, you know, again, it's a rich text. I think that if you want to go yeah. into that and you want to experience this as part of that series yeah. and, and go into depth, you can. But I think what Joe was saying is this this film actually does work pretty well yeah, on its absolutely. own it, and, and can do that. And I think part of that is definitely, you know, th- that the story here is, is – you know, again, consistent with other stories that he's told, he's told it works that way. And I think just the experience of it, you know, you were talking about the music, the visuals that he creates these very unique scenarios where some of it, you know, you could rip a a scene out and you could say like, well, this would work in whatever ABC primetime drama we want to put it in. But then, you know, the stuff that's going on in the pink room yeah. is unlike anything you've probably yeah. seen it, elsewhere. Yeah,
2: I mean, it, it's all these little vignettes he does. Like, you think about the scene where she goes to the, the Bang Bang bar, and it's Julie Cruz singing her song. And it's just like this beautiful like, yeah. setting with the lighting, and Julie Cruz's face, and like, it's a different movie. Yeah. And, and then also he change to like, his movies are like, there's no, uh, there's no genre. Yeah. You know, the, like, what is this movie? Is right? It, is it a thriller? Is it a horror movie? Is it noir? Is it he? He gives you little m- moments. He gives bending. you elements, like you say, vignettes yeah.
1: that would suggest certain things. But they're almost always going to switch and yeah. you're going to move into something
0: else that doesn't feel like it belongs there. Yeah. It was, when the film came out, it was a box office bomb. It was a huge c- critical film. failure. Yeah. Critics eviscerated yeah. this movie. And I think that that's changed over time. Absolutely. Yeah. It was, uh, I think, a function of Twin Peaks fatigue and the audience. Well, it was the such a cultural phenomenon. The potential audience for it being turned off to that second season a year before this film well, came I, out. I think what happened too was that
2: people were expecting like a, a sequel or, like a, a sequel to a Twin Peaks show, right? And he gave them this other story, and they were like, What the hell is this? I yeah. want to know what happens afterwards. So, that was part of it, I think, too. They weren't ready for this other story. Now, this is a very different, raw, yeah, and like just a deeper um, story than it was in the TV show. Mm, right. the TV show is a little more lighthearted and kind of funny, yeah. Right? There, there, there's very little humor, there's there's, there's the movie a f- has like no humor at all. <laughs> it's other than like the prostitutes at the yeah. bus beginning of the movie with the kids that's kind of weird and funny but after that there's no more humor it's just yeah. like this deep dark disturbing film Yeah. whereas Twin Peaks had those kind of levity and some quirky characters and memorable lines this one doesn't have that so yeah. if you're coming yeah. in the movie expecting that you're going to be
0: disappointed but I think time you're not going to be happy time has changed minds absolutely with this film and I was so happy to have found it uh and watched it with you guys it, yeah. this one this this is a th- this movie's great this movie's great and, Yeah, I'd I'll, I'll you, you have to watch it Several
2: times, of course. You got to yeah. watch it five, ten times. And yeah. Every time I see it, I discover something. Are you challenging weird. me? <laughs> absolutely. Challenge, <laughs> challenge accepted. Watch it over and over again. Yeah. One these, thing I, these are
0: these are films that reward multiple viewers. Absolutely. Yeah. One thing I couldn't do is open up this bottle of beer and drink five, ten of these at the same <laughs> time. <laughs> Crazy. Unless I just wanted to go to sleep for <laughs> you know a nice little little bit. Yeah. This
1: this, this uh, I I mean. I, I'm almost at a loss for words. I will start though with the, the a word that, you know, we, we we sometimes get made fun of
2: for, but the mouthfeel on this is just perfect. Yeah. Like, I mean you have this like banana no banana dryingness on your mouth. Yeah. But then it's like it's so weird. Well it's, it's silky, smooth. Yeah, it's, it's got it, like super hefty.
1: And yeah, it's just yeah. It, it's funny because a lot of Imperial Stouts can get there but that pull it off with the i mean again sometimes it just feels like too heavy this is just the right viscosity it just goes down perfectly um the flavors there i was definitely getting some banana it was in there but i didn't feel like it was overpowering
2: i don't get a lot of pistachio or vanilla i just get a lot of like like a. The barrel-aged maple.
0: Yep. Yeah. We definitely. I get the maple. Yep. And I'm get, not getting get, a lot of banana, to be honest with you. I get a lot get of a banana. Little. For
2: me, like think of like a banana, like like the little strands on the banana. Uh-huh. Yeah. They're kind of like that kind of flavor they give you that's what i get from this like a, it, a very ripe banana flavor. it makes me think of and like uh, too, one of those
1: sure. uh you know chocolate covered banana sort sure, of yeah. uh treats that you might have gotten at the ice cream stand as a kid or something and like when it melts down just a little bit and it kind of has it like that that's kind of where i was getting
2: the banana but also think about an absurd movie like this like how absurd <laughs> is it to have bananas in a beer sure, i know you know, twenty twenty three bananas and beer.
0: I mean, I'm working from memory. Thing. I've got a third of this bomber of twelve percent in me. Jay Wakefield, Wake Wakefest seventh anniversary. Yeah, Wakefest
2: seventh anniversary. So every year they have an anniversary at their brewery, and they do a lot of collaborations as well. I brought some other bottles. You will see, we have some uh, collab beers. We're going over. on a Jay Wakefield journey. We are going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wonderful. So we have two more beers to go through. Oh boy, that's exciting.
1: Really? Um, well, we, we we are gonna need another great beer in the second half because uh, we're gonna be talking about the eighth best film of all time, David. The eighth best film of all time. Eighth best film after the break. Nosotros
2: really? <laughs> <Silencios>. <laughs> hey
1: th- thanks H- Harold's uh, coaching us here on on how we get back in uh, in Spanish which is totally appropriate because you know the moholan uh, Drive does have And Harold also said I could I could
0: have talked for two hours. Well, and he's right. We'll I mean there, an there's hours.
1: and and people have. I mean and and we will continue to. I have a feeling that that some some of this stuff will will linger into after hours. But you know Harold in the break definitely uh, made the very solid point that we didn't even really talk about that final scene of the film uh, Twin Peaks Firewalk with Me, which is you know, both connects back to the series, but also kind of leads us into some other directions. It's it's fascinating stuff. I mean, Lynch leaves you with so much, an embarrassment of riches, as you yeah, put it on exactly. chat earlier today. Um, well, we, we're gonna have even more riches to dig through with this next film. So before we get there, I wanna make sure that we have some beer in our glasses. And as we said in the first half, we are doing a Jay Wakefield journey and uh, th- this next one, I think I-, I like the name because as you said, Harold, it kind of ties in with the theme of this film sure. um, Especially with its setting being Hollywood yep. and this idea of how do you get things done in Hollywood? Well, it's really all about who you know How you know them and what kind of clout you have.
2: Exactly. So we're drinking Jay Wakefield's stout clout uh, This is a beer that they brewed I guess when the Wakefest 2020 uh, a lot of breweries come with him to Wakefest and they have like their beers on tap and they do a lot of collaborations. So this is actually a collaboration with Three Chiefs, uh, Cerebral, and Forager. Wow. This was brewed in 2021. It comes in at 12%. Nice. This is a uh, house made cotton uh, coconut candy, coconut flakes, Ooh. bourbon barrel aged with rye as well, and maple and vanilla.
1: Ooh, man.
2: So Man, this a, sorry, sorry, last... Carlos, yeah, you're not getting at some of this coconut. <laughs> <laughs> been, yeah, Carlos would have been a good fourth chair tonight. He, for
1: sure. he, he's our coconut guy. Oh, I know. Oh. I always think about
2: him with coconut. Yeah. For
1: sure. Well, I, I like coconut too, Ooh. so we'll we'll I'm sure yeah. we'll enjoy it for him, and uh, and he can tell us on the chat what what he was feeling as he was listening to us talk about it. But um, it, it looks like it's pouring just as dark as the uh, <laughs> as the last beer. The That's water. awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, there you go. Totally appropriate.
0: it's um, the best guest ever. It, he's pouring our beers for us. Yeah, no, he, he brings the good shit. Thank you. Well, and he knows his cool. shit. He, did,
1: I mean, he, he's a, he's a deep Lynch fan, obviously. And and when we we had him on for the menu, he's a chef. He was mm-hmm. able to fill us in on all that stuff. I mean, I've got chef questions for after hours. Absolutely, oh, Bring nice. Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay.
0: So do you want to uh, take a little whiff? Take a little Let's talk. Ooh, de- de- definitely getting the booze on the nose. Yeah, boozy coconut. Yeah, a little bit. Mm. Ah, I wish I lived in Miami.
1: <laughs> it's so fun. I mean, it, it is fun. Like I, I get it. You can Ooh. brew whatever beer you want, but it is funny that one of the best pastry stout breweries is in one of the hottest, most
2: tropical. Yeah, places that's the same the thing. Like, like Cycle Brewing is in Saint Petersburg, Florida. Yeah. So Florida is kind of known for their really thick stouts. Yeah, it's like it's such a weird thing, like this yeah. humid area, but it's hey, great on the they, stouts. They're, they're doing it
0: right, so you know. Same you... like drinking hot soup in Colombia. Same thing, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind, of, kind of works. You know what I mean? uh, so I googled Mul. Okay, so we're doing Mulholland Drive. Yes. Mulholland Drive. Sight and sound says the the recent poll, hundreds of directors and critics say that this is the eighth best film of all time, it's and. A- just counter to what we
1: were saying with Twin Peaks, Fire Walk with Me, this is one that was embraced by critics when it came out. Absolutely, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, we are doing our Sight and Sound top ten catch up. We had done we had done prior to the re- most recent Sight and Sound release of their top hundred films of all time. Three of the top ten. We are doing them all week by week. Go back a week or two to find Tokyo Story, Beau Travail, other wonderful movies. Djibouti.
2: I just wanted to say that That was great Did you want Have you you watched No yeah Okay alright I'm excited about that one I
1: want everybody's take On that final scene Oh (laughs) I'm waiting to see It's on my list
0: So I googled Mulholland Drive Synopsis I'm gonna read What Google says A dark haired (laughs) woman Laura Elena Herring Is left amnesiac Amnesiac Is left amnesiac Amnesiac After a car crash She wanders the streets Of Los Angeles In a daze Before taking refuge In an apartment there she is discovered by Betty Naomi Watts, a wholesome Midwestern blonde who has come to the city of Angels seeking fame as an actress. Together, the two attempt to solve the mystery of Rita's true identity. The story is set in a dreamlike Los Angeles, spoiled neither by traffic jams nor smog. That is not what this movie is about really at all. So working I mean, like the dreamlike part, yeah. So working yeah. from memory, I'm going to yeah. say it a different way. Betty, I'm sorry, Diane Played by Naomi Watts, Naomi Watts. Uh, inherits some money and after winning a jitterbug contest, goes to uh, Hollywood to become a movie star. There, she is jilted by her lover, uh, who is who gets a role uh, because she sleeps with the director. Mm-hmm. And in a fit of of jealousy jealousy and Thing-y. anger, decides to put a hit out on her and then goes and takes a nap. That's the movie as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) (laughs) That's a pretty good synopsis. And what happens in The Nap is the synopsis that I read at the very beginning. I I saw this movie on DVD. I did not see it in the theater. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I watched... That
1: is surprising. Now, do do you remember why you didn't see it in the theater? No, I don't. Were you aware of it being
0: out? Yeah, of course. I just, I can't remember why. But I I eventually caught up with it on DVD and I went... I, I, I turned it off and I went... What? Mm-hmm. And then I uh, did whatever I could do at that time, internet wise, to, yeah. to read a review, detective, that said it's all a dream. Yeah. And then I went, ah. And then having the DVD in hand, I watched it again, and it was my favorite film that came out the year. Yeah, it I, I
2: saw it in the theater. I was living in New York City at the time, at the Angelica, over on the East Village. Hmm. Uh, went like went for like a matinee showing. And I remember, like, walking out going, like, I need to watch this again. Mm. Yeah. Like, I wanted to literally, <laughs> like, like, and I said, did we did we watch it that day two times in a row? I was, like, I was asking her yesterday. I'm, like, I think we saw it twice. Like, I don't know. Are you making shit up? I said, no, I think we saw it twice. Like, I think in my mind I wanted to watch it again because I walked out of the theater and I was in this, like, trance. Like, what the hell just happened? Yeah, You know? And, uh. It just drew me in so quickly, but and the theater experience was was exceptional. Yeah, it's um, actually yeah. showing again right now in, in some limited markets. Apparently. Oh, really? So if you can get to it, yeah. go see it in the theater. Agree. Yeah, it's it's. Phew, amazing. I
1: I was I was happy that so I was old enough at this point that you know, I I guess I didn't talk in the first half. The uh, Twin Peaks Fire Walk with Me is as much as I had watched the series on television. Um, I had a TV in my bedroom when I was a kid. So yeah, I could, could watching whatever I wanted. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we all did. I was obsessed. That's why um, we're here today so I was watching those even though I was watching with my parents but I was watching Mm -hmm. on my own Um, but then the movie came out and it was R-rated and my you know I I couldn't go to the theater myself at that point uh, to see an R-rated film so I wasn't able to see it I do remember going to the multiplex and seeing it playing in some of the other theaters and being like oh I want to go see that (laughs) Um, because I had I mean as much as I don't think I liked the second season as much I was still fascinated by the whole thing and it was some of the weirdest stuff and I was definitely at an age where I was starting, to like, wow, these you know TV shows, films that so are at that doing point, something. Had you already seen different. Lost Highway? Like, no. Well, that that, that came later. That was that was uh, like ninety
2: five ish. Before this movie, though. It, oh, it was before this. Yeah, was no, mean, you're you right. Watched, no,
1: I saw Lost Highway before this. Yeah. So you you already but, seen. So but like, yeah, you know, by the time perfect. I came to this film, I was you know I was through college. I was graduated knew, yeah. from college. I had watched, I think, pretty much all of his films mm-hmm. at that point that I could get my hands on, at least. Um, And so was fully prepared for it and was anticipating it. I remember going opening weekend with with a few friends. It was a big deal. Being really excited to go see this film and coming out similar to you, Harold, feeling like, what did I just watch? Whiplash. I felt like, you know, the first 90 minutes, I'm there. I understand where we are, what's going on. And then what? What just happened? Huh? Who are these characters again now? What is going? Coming out of the theater, kind of having that like strange, you know, like discombobulation going back to seeing it, I think probably the next weekend, yeah. trying to make sense of it myself, reading criticism about it, probably, you know, and, and finally kind of piecing together a, a version of it that worked for me though, as I've read, you know, many people have different interpretations,
2: things but, that yeah. they, but like what Joe said earlier, like this is the first movie I can remember watching to where I became like an internet sleuth. I was like, okay, yeah. Mulholland Drive. What does it mean? Right. Like, what is the red lamp? I'm like, yeah. Digging deep. And I'm like, in my mind, trying to say, what the hell does this mean? So, yeah, it made me become a detective. Yeah. Similar to them with their Nancy Drew kind of thing. Right. You know,
1: it's such a... Well, and, and I think, you know, the origins of this project were, yeah. again, he was going to do another TV series. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he, you know, the Twin Peaks had kind of...
0: This is an amazing story to me. Yeah, right. It's had, fascinating.
1: Had had done well, you know, obviously initially, and then kind of went a little like off canceled. the rails and kind of petered out. And, and, and obviously Firewalk With Me did, did what it did and it kind of failed itself, mm-hmm. at least as a critical thing, even though he liked what he was able to make with it. Um, but he wasn't, you know, kind of put off from TV because it was just, you know, whatever it was, maybe six, seven years later yeah. that he decided, okay, no, I'll work with ABC on this other project and put together this pilot for a series that would be called Mulholland Drive with Naomi Watts, Laura Eleanor Herring, Justin Theroux, um, all pretty young performers at the time um, that was really kind of set up to be this s- somewhat similar kind of mystery series. Like, like a noir. Yeah. It's a,
2: noir, a noir mystery.
1: But instead of being set in the rural Pacific Northwest, being set in Hollywood, right? Where he has been, you know, at this point in his career, a good 20 years, right? I mean like he had spent a couple decades working in this industry, um, trying to get his own projects off the ground, working with the money people, working with all that. And to me, this is like him saying, okay, I'll take this concept that I had of this kind of skewed procedural series and I'll create something, that's set in Hollywood that does that.
2: And I think, again, though, it goes back to the white picket fence thing from yeah. Blue Velvet. And, like, Fire walk with me, there's this underbelly that's happening. And it's the movie industry. You're yeah. seeing the, the mob guys. You're seeing the disposal of, you know, female leads in movies, how they're treated. This is yeah. the whole his whole, basically... The attack. casting
1: session. You know, yeah. he's
2: basically showing you the ugly side of what happens in Hollywood. And he's an outsider, right? He's never been an inside guy. Right. Me, it's, it's, I mean, it's kind he's, of a takedown of Hollywood. In the way and
1: doing. the few times, like, I mean, you know, like those few times were like Dune, right. Where he worked on a yeah. bigger and that budget was a big, project, a you
2: know, big flop for him too, in a way.
1: Yeah. A flop, but also one that he didn't get to exercise exactly. total artistic yeah. control. And that he was, I mean, you can imagine him feeling there's some, some of him in Adam Kesher, I think. Sure. In, in, in this, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Right. Even though it's, I think, caricatured and kind of made silly I was watching with
2: my brother-in-law he's like is that supposed to be david lynch i said well i guess yeah kind of yeah <laughs> <I> mean, the <laughs> hair yeah you know kind of yeah for sure yeah yeah yeah
1: he i mean he doesn't necessarily uh even go easy on himself maybe in that way yeah. in, in in what he depicts um but you know th- make this pilot that eventually abc rejected that th- didn't want to go forward with but that he felt like okay we, there's something still here and i and i And I don't know, I haven't, because he's also like notoriously guarded about what he's going to reveal his motivations were, his intents were. So, but one can only assume he had a vision for that series that might have brought it to a place like where we get in that final third of the film. But with this film version, we get quickly catapulted into it and we get a very concentrated version of it that... Is somewhat just you know jarring yeah. if you're not going in knowing what what you're going to do. Which even though I had had experience with David Lynch before, I was not prepared for how jarring that switch is.
0: Yeah, I think that knowing that it's all a dream is critical to enjoying the film. If if you're going to do it from the very from the from the get go, if you haven't watched Mulholland Drive, if you haven't watched any of these top ten films that we're doing in this series, what, what are we waiting on? If anything, as we've said many times, the sight and sound list or lists like these are good starting points to sure. at least see cinema that many people hold in high esteem. Diane goes to Hollywood, is kind of chewed up quickly and has a, a, a horrible story, and then goes to sleep. And while asleep, and this is my interpretation, creates the a fanciful version of herself and the reasons why she was chewed up and spit out. Uh it's got the David Lynch vignettes, it's got the uh, immersive surrealism, it's got the dreamscape clearly right there in my description. This film is a, is a wonder. This yeah. film is so multi-layered and requires more than one, more That's than five lot. probably yeah. uh, say, yeah. viewings to 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 really understand this puzzle that david lynch has put out and i think that because of the production of it it was created as a pilot, pilot Yeah. meaning that we're going to answer questions as the 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 television show unfolds but okay that doesn't go so let me add this dream sequence part well no was,
2: i think i think the first 90 minutes of the movie is the pilot right more or less what i understood yeah so the dream sequence is the pilot Right. And when, when the studio decided not to do it, right. ABC, whatever. Uh, studio, uh, studio
0: To yeah. call it a dream sequel. Yeah. It's it's like like
2: studio Canal pointed the money to make the movie. He actually created that last third of the movie. Yeah. And made it into a feature film. So that part, I guess it was filmed like in 99 or something. He filmed yeah. that part in 2020, 2000 or so. Yeah. So that was added later. So right that whole twist is and there was sc- after it, the after, but, but the
0: idea that this brainchild of his for a television show doesn't get picked up let me throw all the puzzle pieces on the table to figure out how I can make a feature out of this okay add it's a, a, a twist so and now it's on this list uh, there was some other large list in 2016 that came out that called it the best film of the 21st century yeah, yeah. so I mean this is a mind a creative mind unlike any other David Lynch's You know, I'd say it's his most straightforward film, even though it's still so
2: complex and layered. Yeah. And it's a puzzle piece. It is pretty straightforward. There's a lot of clues there. We're like, Firewalk with me was just bizarre. You're questioning what the hell I just watched. Whereas this one gives you the same feeling, but there's still the answers are all right there. You know, and I've watched it, I don't know, 10, 15 times. And I never realized at the beginning of the movie, the first thing you see, the first thing you hear, somebody inhaling which sounds like drugs. Yeah. Then yeah. you see a pillow and you see a face go into it.
0: I never saw that part. Well, that, well that's, that's what I read. Remember, that's telling you. I, I saw it once. Boom, here we
2: are. We're going to a dream. Right. I saw yeah. it one time and then it's I, pretty I direct,
0: went online you know? and it said when the face hits the pillow yeah. you're dreaming yeah. and then when this other thing happens a box opens up you're not dreaming any longer but it's, it's like, like it, it is oh, pretty straightforward okay okay it's I not get some
2: history it. like it's right there in front of your face she passes out she's dreaming
0: right though
1: some people do prefer the interpretation that it doesn't even matter whether or not we're talking about which one is the real which one is not it's all an expose of the dark underbelly of, of Hollywood, Hollywood yeah. and oh, it's a these two movie prior to the the. These too are just sure. two versions of the Hollywood aspiring starlet story. The one yeah. who you know, like maybe the pretty version, the, the 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 sweeter version versus the more realistic version, and you know, I I like the dream interpretation. That is, it oh, was yeah. actually. Back in the day, back in 2001, or I guess maybe it was early 2002 by the time I read it, but uh, Amy Talbin had written uh, an article, a review in Film Comment, and she was subscribing to the dream yeah. s- and, and and it unlocked it for me. That was like, okay, that makes perfect Absolutely. sense. I understand exactly why this would be like... This character, Diane Selwyn, who had tried to make it but didn't quite and was jilted and had this whole thing going on, has this dream where she was even more pure than she ever was in reality. And when she met this love interest that she was totally a blank slate, you know, the amnesiac, she didn't have any sense of who she was so she could be this pure thing to her and they were together and, they, you know, it, it makes sense. I mean, there, there's like a, there, there's something that, that sort of makes a, a, a really deep sense here. But even take all that away, it's still like just scene by scene these wonderful little glimpses into what goes on to make these things that you're watching right now. Right. I mean, it's 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 a very it's a film, a film about filmmaking, a film about how what is what goes into that sausage making
2: that we're seeing. I, I think like that last third is that gritty realism. And like when you watch that first part of the movie, when. You know, when Betty comes to the airport and the the old person's with her, the old lady's with her, and yeah. It's like you're watching like a after school special. Yes, or yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. And her acting is so like ham-fisted, yeah, and it's so like fake and over the top. Doors day. Yeah. It, it, it is. It's like this idyllic dream and it, it's so phony. And Naomi Watts is so brilliant that like she's acting as like this other actor. Yeah. You know? And in this movie, she does a lot of I guess like double acting, you know. She's like oh, for sure. She, I mean, this performance from her is just well. Her is mind Betty. Blowing, her is Diane.
1: Her, her is Betty in the audition yeah. where oh, she's playing God. this, you know, that very scene sultry my mind kind of, which is a confusing
0: scene because Betty has been so uh, demure candy. and candy, yeah. yeah. And now she gets into this Man, very uh, it, it, so over-eroticized, yeah. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to get the part. Yeah. I'll place his hand on my butt. You know, yeah. I'll place, you know. Um, it, it is, it, it's it's a movie that, that gives you whiplash. I think you used that term yeah. earlier because it's taking you this way and then that way and then this way and then that way. I, I saw Jaws too early because uh, I was around when, yeah. you know, it was hitting the TV for the first time. <laughs> I lived in a coastal community. And Jaws uh, did that thing where I never wanted to go into the water sure. again. We had a swimming pool for me. in our backyard. And I was scared to get in the yep. swimming pool. There are no goddamn sharks in the swimming pool, Joe. Yep. Uh, so is this where you tell us that Mulholland Drive was the reason you never went to Hollywood? No. Okay. This is... <laughs> when I watched that movie for the first time on DVD, the reason why I buy the Dream... Sequence the dream analogy here is because there are characters that appear in the film that the, uh, in Betty's world that Diane glimpses, and the yeah. the, the concept would be exactly. that um, Those are big you, clues. you dream about what you know, yeah. even if it doesn't make sense while you're dreaming it. So uh, in the third, in the last third of the film, when when Diane is falling apart, she sees a guy at the Winkies Diner mm-hmm. as Betty in the Winky's Diner are two guys that are talking about one of them's talking about a dream he had and he hopes but don't that,
2: forget though the, the waitress yeah right diner in the Diner what's her name Betty exactly
0: yeah yeah. yeah yeah it's all there
2: yeah she's pulling all these I like, think from. yeah Wolverine, oh yeah. sure 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 but awesome.
0: these two guys are talking one of the guys is talking to his buddy about <laughs> um, how he's had a dream and he hopes yeah. that um, he never sees this figure in his dream that has put such fear into him ever and by the way, in the dream, he lives behind the this figure lives behind the diner. So, this buddy goes, "Well, let's go behind the diner. and Let's get this over with, and we'll see that it's not real." And yada yada yada. And they they do that. Now, this has nothing to do with Betty. It's nothing to do with Diane. It's just a, a little vignette.
2: It's just David Lynch being David Lynch. And they
0: walk <laughs> to the back of Winkie's. Yeah. They walk behind the diner, and the ugliest thing I've ever seen <laughs> pops out from behind yeah. the dumpster. Yeah. And I was watching that movie alone yeah. at night in yourself. the dark of yeah, my house, sure. and I, I I yelled out loud. Absolutely, yeah. It, 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 that is bum. By the way, she's credited as bum. I bum. she was that, tramp. That, bum. Okay. It, bum. bum. Uh, bon, Bonnie the actress, Aaron the in the the, credits. Who plays the Yeah, nun. exactly. It, he, oh yeah,
2: yeah. She plays the nun in those okay. horror movies. Yeah, Andrew The Conjuring. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. Yeah, that that scene just just like as a child,
0: I I saw. Now I can watch Jaws, and I'm completely mm-hmm. fine. I watched this You're and it's, 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 now. it's diminished. Yeah. But th- I, I will never forget the horror. Yeah. And, and, and like I told you earlier. The very first time I saw it. But...
2: When you watch that movie in a the theater or on, on a good system, when that scene happens, it's just this overwhelming it's a jump scare. Sub, yeah. Sub, uh, yeah. Sub sounds. Everything's yeah. like, my house was like vibrating. The walls were shaking. Like yeah. It's, it's this deep rumble that's happening and so you don't know what it is. It's it's it kind of ties into a little bit again to me. Like, uh, Twin Peaks. Yeah, there's like these these characters that inhibit um inhabit this world, the, the Black Lodge. Right, and there is some of that in this movie. Well, and, and cowboy, and right there, as much as it's that, like a it's
1: thrown kind of in scene. In. I yeah. mean, if this is a film that's about how our dreams connect to our reality. Yeah. It's very much about you know. It's a scene that shows us this guy who had this terrible dream. Well, there is some validity to this terrible well, dream. Well, when he has.
0: sees the actual yeah. thing that had been in his dream, he dies on the spot. Yeah. Weird, led to blow, well collapses. I collapses. Yeah. No, I think yeah. he died. I don't think I think he <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> I think probably should have. I've seen the death certificate. I think, I'm, I think I'm you telling you folks, him I, himself, I think sure. he had a heart attack. <laughs> and, and I've read criticism, and I, I buy into it that this is Diane who is dreamings. The embodiment of everything like ugly and evil uh, inside of her, yeah. Because this is the figure uh, uh, that, at the very last scene of the film, inhabits, uh, owns the box. That you know, again, without that, well, know it's, if you want it's to go into these layers. The I mean, of like the
1: thing. It, you know, Lynch loves these kind of layered yeah. characters. Where Puzzle pieces. There is the there is the surface they present to the world. There is their vision of themselves that they have in their own mind. There is what they experience when they dream, and they're no longer in control of how they see themselves, and all of that kind of coexists and and sort of uh, in, interacts with with uh, with itself. Um. Yeah. And Naomi Watts. Again, this was her star-making turn. Absolutely. And and for good reason. Again, first like, I
2: ever seen her in a movie was this one. I yeah. Never, I never heard of her. Until I saw me too.
1: Movie. Me too. And and you know, I think a part of what made this work so well is that so much of what was going on in this character, the struggling actress, not finding the part, or you know, maybe being teased with the part that she's not actually going to get. That was an experience that she was. She having. Had, yeah, yeah. for Sure. Um, I I I don't want to. Miss the opportunity to talk about what, from the very first time I saw this film, was one of my favorite performances I've ever seen on screen, and that is Angelo Badalamenti um, oh, c- coming in as uh, one of the Castigliani brothers. brothers yeah. Uh, with Dan Hedaya, yeah, he did, yeah. oh so <laughs> which good. is just yeah. one of my favorite scenes. They serve him the espresso, and the way he drools that espresso it's, it's out, where he's like, you know, they they've got they, obviously he's been there before, and they've tried to please him with their espresso and they failed. And they're like, we've gotten you the the best best espresso in the world. espresso (laughs) that we can possibly find. It has the best reviews over there. And he, you know, takes his sip and he just opens his mouth and it drops out on the net and he's got to wipe it away. I mean, it is just masterful acting on his
0: part. And how many other actors would have like spewed it out? Oh yeah. No, he just, if you look
2: at the movie again too, there's all these little hints like, like coffee cups. Yeah are part of the, the mystery of the movie. Yeah, you watch, yeah. There's a lot of coffee cups that happen. Winkies. certain parts the, Yeah, in. yeah. And and I, I watched a podcast earlier about it, and they were talking about the scene where he spits out the coffee. There's a scene like that with her later on drinking coffee. Yeah. She kind of spits it up. Yeah. So once again, she's taking these scenes from her reality. Re- in, yeah, and they're her coming dream, back re- in her dreams. Putting yeah. her dreams. And yeah. like, you know, when you dream of things, you know, it's, it's always a grander version of what yeah. in real life. Right. You know, it's not... Like the Hitman. So the whole scene with the Hitman, which is one of the funniest scenes Lynch has ever done.
0: Yes. The, the oh my
2: man God. The Hitman that can't get his job done right. So I don't know if so you good. noticed this part too, but the Hitman, in the first half of the movie, he has two colored eyes. Did you catch that? No, I didn't. And the second half, he has regular blue eyes, which is such a weird thing to do. That is weird. But yeah, so that to me is her... her. Des- so a lot of what's happening the first to me is also um, Diane's desires. Not just her fantasy, but her desire—what she desires in life. So she knows she put a hit on her girlfriend, right? She knows she's going to kill her. She's going to die. She desires for it not to go well. Mm. So in this in this dream of hers, um, Rita Camilla survives. Yeah, doesn't die. The hitman is a bumbling idiot. Yeah, so she got away. Yeah, she survived. You know, so she's creating these desires of hers, right? That so it's makes not, sense. It's not just like the dream; it's what she does, what she wants in life, right? And she wants she well, wants like Camilla the, to be
1: alive. It's still. tapping into the you know the the subconscious, the yeah. what, what what is like sort of underlying where it, like yes, she wants this thing to happen, but yeah. no, she really doesn't want. Yeah, it. and then so, yeah.
2: you see her racked with guilt, like yeah. the last the last whatever third of the movie is her dealing with the guilt and like realizing what she did, and yeah, and, and basically going mad. Yeah. Realizing, oh, God, I, I fucking killed the girl that I love. Right. And what have I done? And she just can't deal with the repercussions of it and it drives her into insanity. And then she kills herself. Yeah. You yeah. Know, that's that's ultimately what happens in the movie, right? Yeah. And, you know, the things of, like, the little old people coming up and chasing her is also, like, in her mind, like, paying her dues. Like, <laughs> the punished. You know, and, uh, yeah, that's and great. that's
1: such a, I mean, yeah, right? Because what we see are this, like, the sh- this shrunken down version of this old couple <laughs> God, that so she had I'm seen sorry. at the airport, that, like <laughs> yeah. why would well, these many people had be... seen at the
0: airport, right? That Id- idyllic um, kind They'd of That come out of a Doris trash Day bag scene. from the,
2: the person behind the dumpster,
0: right? I don't yeah. even bring which, him up.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: which you know,
1: like I, I don't know how to interpret it, but I I think probably the best um, spin on it that I've seen is like it's this these people who she so wanted to impress, yeah. ha, who would be the most disappointed in her for also, having taken this.
2: In the first half, when they meet Betty and they take her and they drop her off and they leave the limousine, they start doing this evil giggle. Yes. And that to me is like... Or like this weird It's smile, kind of like yeah. another one for the grinder. Yeah. Here's a fresh face. We're going to grind her up. Right. That's right. like them. It's like old Hollywood saying, fresh face, we're going to put her in the oh, machine yeah. we're going to yeah. grind
0: her up. Her idealism yeah. of what she's about to get into mm-hmm. is just so. But to them, it's
2: like they're like these vampires. They love seeing so yeah. you these young, nubile yeah. actresses
0: come in, and we're gonna yeah. just chew you up. It's and like spit a you Tim out. and Eric thing, like yeah. two people just laughing maniacally oh, it's for so good. It's a so extended bizarre. period of time. Yeah, yeah. it. You know,
1: this, this film has it all, and and that's why I think this is probably, what, why it belongs in that top 10, in my estimation, I because I guess we're ask. kind of asking, like, does it belong? I think it does, because this is the crystallized Absolutely. sort of realization of all that Lynch has worked on leading up to it, and perhaps maybe the, the best that we're ever gonna, although I do think that third season of Twin Peaks actually has some, some oh, amazing I watch, stuff I going watch on. It. We'll talk about the now, Trevor. Yeah, um, but, and, and I like Inland Empire, but I think like that maybe suffered yeah, a little bit from being watch. like, yeah. I think part of that was just the freedom of filming with DV and, and being able to shoot whatever he wanted, however he wanted, but there's some great stuff in there too. Rabbits is amazing. I mean, yeah, you know, that, is good. that like th- th- there's some great ideas. He's still, and and I bet he will still make something that is going to floor sure. me someday and may even trump this in, so- in some sense. But to me at this point in time, this is the perfect, david lynch vision for like if anybody asked me what david lynch film should i see to sort of just dive in and start understanding the david lynch thing it would be mahal drive you
2: know hands down. And, and i when i saw that they were number eight a site inside i was like you know what i thought firewalk was a better movie as, as a lynch fan but re-watching it again this last couple of days like i i i get it i understand yeah I understand why, because it is this more um, easier to digest movie than his other ones. Well, and I think maybe it benefits from like,
1: it it would have been interesting to see if he had been able to make the series with this, what what it would have done. But the fact that he didn't, this is self-contained. There's nothing else that we can really point to and say, oh, you have to see this. You have to see that. Like, No, this one is all you're ever going to get from Mulholland Drive is this, Mulholland Drive. Take it for what it is. Yeah. But it has so much of what he does and other things, right? And again, you, you said it before, Harold, with, uh, with, with uh, Fire Walk With Me, the score here is so important. And oh, Battle Lamenti. Yeah. rest in peace, my friend. Like rest in he peace, yeah. Genius. made so many wonderful scores yeah. for these Lynch yeah. films, and this is this is one of them. I mean, yeah. it is just the music in this. Is perfection. I yeah. mean, and and you're right. Like this is a film. When I saw it in the theater those atmosphere, times, all atmosphere. Being ensconced all atmosphere. in that uh, surround sound, yeah. it was key. Like yeah. watching it at home yeah. with my inferior system yeah. felt like a downgraded experience from what I've had in the past with that.
2: Absolutely. So so talking about sound and experiences and all that. So we can't not talk about. Uh, that to me, which is like the pink room version of this movie, which is the silencio part. Yeah. So this is, this is the part of the movie to me where it flips. We go from the dream to the reality. Right. So, um, there's this very intense, uh, they finally consummate the relationship, right. In the dream world And, and the way, the way he films these, these scenes, they're highly erotic. Um, like fetishistic you know i think i think lynch is kind of a fetish guy i think he likes sex but he doesn't it's not like pornographic it's very sensual it's very yeah. sexy performances are are like uh kind of animalistic but still really charged yeah you see these two together and uh they they consummate they have they, they make love to each other and then she wakes up and starts speaking in spanish this is a rita and just start saying silencio, I'm like what the hell is this going on? You mm-hmm. know? and then they just decide to go to this club middle of the night, two in the morning. And I don't know if you watch like that that scene too when you're watching it, and you see them go to like the limousine outside. The screen becomes like like a dream, like yeah. like you wake up and like a your eyes you're waking up from a lucid dream, and your eyes are kind of crusty and like the lights are kind of shimmering and get these like like swimmer's eyes. Yeah. I don't know. It was brilliant idea. He kind of creates this kind of dream state. Yeah. And then they go to this this venue, and uh, this scene to me is like the part of the Pink Room for this movie. And I remember watching it at the Angelica Theater, which looks a lot like the theater this place takes place in. The yeah. Movie. And I tell you, I was watching this the scene, and I felt like I was in the movie. Like it it took me somewhere. I was like, uh-huh. what the hell? Am, am I in the movie? Like. It, it took me so deep into what was happening on the screen. Like, I felt like I was actually in the movie. I feel yeah. like I was having like a, like a, an hallucination. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was such a powerful experience with the music and the, the, the scene on the screen. Yeah. And the performance of a, No Eye Re- Re- bundle. Rebecca, Rebecca de, de, Re- Rio. de, Rio. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess apparently she was like a, like a, a singer from LA. Yeah. And got famous with that song. That yeah. cover of robertsons crying. Uh-huh. And I guess Lynch had heard it in his home and said it's got to be in the movie. Yeah. And like who well it's would, beautiful and I mean who would ever
1: thought to put that co- in the movie. Well, but uh, and it's also so it crazy. connects back to Blue Velvet, right? Where exactly. where you have yeah. the uh, um the cotton candy, the the cotton-colored clown co- yeah. say co- called the co- Sandman. Yeah. But yeah. I mean
2: it's like you're watching a movie and also it's like a 3-minute performance yes with like nothing just a woman singing her heart out and, and these women ups. reacting to yeah, it yeah man, that, it's like well
1: and, and like said, in my, i was yeah. streaming
2: crying when they're crying i'm crying i'm like yeah what is going on it just yeah. really just took me for this like this trip it was amazing absolutely amazing amazing yeah scene. no that that that
1: sequence yeah. is you know it, it was stand out the first time i saw it yeah. it stand out this like yeah. the fifth sixth seventh absolutely. time i've and seen it, it it's old. It's just a, a beautiful moment. The idea of like just you know like waking up in the middle of the night and and feeling this urgency that one has to go to this and and you go and you're and in and the, in, in the whole you know the, the audience, the performer, w- what's sort of between them and and I think you know what you're saying before that you know we in the audience watching this film, how we're connected to it. It's all sort of being brought together there in this really interesting way that just, it, it's it's so charged. And, and but, but it's I, come right after and that I think, scene. again,
2: he's also uh, playing to Hollywood. Like, what you see on TV is all bullshit. It's all fake. Right. There is no band. Yeah. Everything is lip synced. Right. You know, nothing is real. There's no reality here. Yeah. Like, that's the clue right there. This is not reality. He's telling right. you as a viewer, watch what's happening. This isn't real. Right. This is a dream. Yeah. And yet, we're you know? being moved by it. And we Absolutely. will be moved by it, yeah. yeah. And the blue key, the blue thing shows up. I mean, it's just yeah, yeah. Something it's else. yeah, it,
1: it's it's, <laughs> it's a masterpiece. At that it, point, it, the reviewer is like, it, yeah, it yeah, it really it it is. is. No, it. it yeah. I mean, come on. If it, I, I really, I just, you know, we should have probably invited somebody who's a hater to, to just come <laughs> on to like because I want you know, like I. That said, I I I alluded in the first half that. He is not going to be everybody's cup of tea, right? No. David Lynch, he is, I think for many people, he th- his films, his projects come off as purposefully obtuse. Forced. Like they or are forced, I would say, pu- pushing so. you away. Yeah. They're doing things that are either too on the nose, like the hamminess of her and the way she, Naomi Watts is acting when she's Betty coming out of that airport. And how, you know, chipper and, you know, like strangely upbeat she is. But he's always doing it with a purpose, and I think. But but I think it puts some people off, and I understand why. It is not straightforward. It's very much, you know. I I think, uh, you know, on uh, on Wikipedia, it gets called a surrealness surrealist, surrealist neo noir. And I think that's last horror. I mean, it's, yeah, and so I many and I and I think too. that's appropriate because if if you can't go with the surrealism, if you don't like the dream logic if if that stuff puts you off why are you watching a lynch film this isn't going to work for you yeah. but i think god you know if, even if you have that block try to try to just put it away for a minute and watch this or any of his films and i think you're going to really see why there's something important going on what i'm left with and i'll ask you guys this is the question like why do we not see more filmmakers At least, even striving for something like what Lynch does, because
0: in the twenty twenty three theatrical landscape, there is no place.
1: The closest, you know, what I was thinking as I was watching this, the closest I feel like I've seen in recent years was uh, Black Bear when we watched that a couple years back. Yeah, that's
2: that's a weird. I like that. I like that. Which was a
1: yeah, Yeah. really good film and had that kind of like Mm -hmm. this idea of like we see ourselves differently yeah. and then we dream about it. And so I, I want filmmakers to go there. I want storytellers to go there. I think it's I a know. tough place to go. I think it's tough to do I, well. I, think,
2: I don't think right now the the movie glowing climate would be warm
0: to a David Lynch movie. No, it'd have to be yeah. on a streamer. Although, yeah. but apparently
2: he's working on a film right now. I heard, right? A new although, film. Although, I, hope,
0: I think he is. Everything, everywhere, all at once made so much money. It was so so, so successful. Yeah, Not absolutely. Lynchian, but certainly surreal and certainly dreamlike, yes. and but just didn't have that kind of negative slant. That I agree. Or, That's yeah. a good point.
2: Yeah. Well, I think I think a problem with Lynch too is he's also dismissed because like his movies are considered like to me they're like druggy movies you gotta be on drugs to understand you gotta do drugs to understand if they're pure art house but, cinema but it's not yeah. you yeah. could be a sober person and experience this movie oh yeah and have an enriched Agreed. experience yeah. and though it probably help to drink experience. coffee Sure, because he loves coffee. coffee. He, <laughs> him <that> he <laughs> he's he's a, he's a whole cherry pie.
0: All right, there are three left in the top ten sight and sound catch up series that we're doing. Next week we're going to do "Man with a Movie Camera." Oof. this is from 1922. Wait, no, we're not doing that next week. It is. Yes, we are according to my schedule because we're doing it with Tetris. Is that Tetris. next week? Okay, I believe right. that it then is. Then you're
1: probably right. I, yeah, that's
0: coming out on Friday. Yeah, right. yeah, following that, "Singing in the Rain." And we will reserve what we're pairing that with because it makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> Come on, it's got to be Clockwork Orange. It makes some sense, but no, we've already a done new clo- release. Right? Didn't, no, we didn't do Clockwork Orange. We all should do Clockwork we Orange. Yeah, no. We've done Clockwork Orange. Have you all done? All it? right. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll, we yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and and then yeah, and then we'll close it all out with Jean. Jean deal, deal, we, we, we haven't uh, paired that with any. No, yet. we haven't figured out what that'll go with, but. Uh, we really appreciate you, Harold, coming oh, absolutely. here for this. Thank you so much, and especially because you brought the stout clout with yep. you. And again, I, I mean, I, I have nothing bad to say about this. Nope. It's a very, um, what would I say? It's it, it, there's a through line there with the Wakefield, based on what we've had these these couple that we've uh, had on the main episode, um, the mouth feels there. The flavors there. Now, this one. What were the adjuncts? What What was added in?
2: It was vanilla. The stout clout had. Uh, we got coconut candy, coconut flakes, <sighs> bourbon, and rye barrel aged with maple and vanilla. Which I'm yeah. getting. I'm getting all. Am I getting a ton of coconut? No, that, I'm
1: not getting as much coconut as I thought I might. But I think because
2: this this was brewed in 2021, so, may, maybe, so maybe the age has yeah, kind of lost yeah. some of that. Yeah. That kind of coconut fruitiness up front. Yeah, but it's
1: but, it's a beautiful beer. Um, I'm enjoying it very much um, Joe what, what were your thoughts here With, with uh, My thoughts with are that the we Stout did Club.
0: Clockwork Orange With uh, With uh, The Matrix Okay oh, really? Revolution or God, Resurrection we rather right? in Episode oh, 175 a... <laughs> Funny stuff When you drink a 12 On the first half you don't know how much of your taste buds have been deadened? Yeah. This is very similar to the first beer for yeah. me. It's barrel aged, it's got a lot of delicious adjuncts, but I mean it had the maple as well. It is so good. Yeah. yeah. This these are so good.
2: Well, like you said, like the the, the mouthfeel, you feel like the the maple syrup like on your tongue on yeah your palm, mm-hmm. on your lips it's like thick The maples all in the nose especially
0: yeah. when i'm down to the bottom of my glass and my, my Sticky. nose yeah it's, yeah, very, you see it's very got good. some good legs on it it sure does our jay wakefield uh journey will continue in after hours <laughs> i jotted down a couple of questions uh for, uh for all of us what david lynch films aren't party films
2: <laughs> uh, uh, to Harold, if, if you're not straight <laughs> story, if you're not if you're not
0: watching David Lynch, who you're watching? Because clearly he's a huge fan. Yeah. Uh, and then a couple of chef uh, food questions that Absolutely. I've got for Harold oh, oh, because awesome. we've got one of the master local masters here in our presence. My pleasure. Well,
1: and I wanted to I want to talk to you guys about a series that I've been watching that actually had me thinking a lot. It was funny to be watching it while I was rewatching Twin Peaks and this because um, it's playing a, around with a lot of like procedural detective drama tropes. Which is that one? Uh, it's called Paul T. Goldman no! oh, uh, I heard about Mark was talking about that. Yeah, he interviewed the That's director. That's what got okay. me to watch it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, now nice. where
0: is this conversation going to take place? It's going to take place in After Hours, which you can become you can listen to easily by uh, joining us at Patreon. That's slash beer and a movie podcast for a few dollars a month. You get a Five bonus. Five bucks. Come on, guys. plenty yeah. up bonus episode every week and the loyal contingency of folks that follow us there and listen to that is is a lot of fun and where do you meet those guys well you meet them at discord under the name beer in a movie the conversation continues or reach out to us anyway you can dm us on all of the things and we'll make sure you get an invitation to that discord where you can even meet harold because he's there that's me Chatting often. Where are you gonna find us? Where are you gonna DM us? You're gonna DM us at facebookcom TX or Instagram under the under the handle at beer and the movie or on Twitter at beer movie show. The best part about all of this is that the uh, conversations just never stop. We yeah. are talking about movies and beers everywhere that we go, everywhere that we are. So listen, you've just experienced another lynchian immersive surrealistic episode of beer in a movie until next time
1: it was a dream we live inside a dream